Moment of Truth with Pastor Matt Shackelford is a ministry of Central Church in Collierville, Tennessee. Please visit us online at centralchurch.com. What does it take for guilty man to be made right with holy God? The Bible tells us all have sinned. We've all broken God's law and we all stand guilty. And God says that the wages of our sin is death. And you can't earn salvation. You can't bribe God with good works. So what do we do? This is the truth. There's only one way to be made right with God and it's a free gift. And the moment that you repent, the moment you place your faith that Jesus Christ has died on the cross for your sins, God will make you right with him. He will wash you, he will make you white as snow. So moment of truth today, what will you do with Jesus? Have you ever had someone seek you out to ask for your help? Usually, being sought after creates a great sense of pride and accomplishment in our lives. But for so many of us, we don't know that God seeks us out to use us. We are missing out on the greatest accomplishment that we could ever experience. As we continue Pastor Matt's sermon entitled, Useful to the Master, we see how God can use all of us. If we desire to be used by Him, focus on staying pure and serve humbly. As we are used by God, we can finish strong in our faith and become an incredible tool for God's glory. Open to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 through 26, and prepare for your moment of truth. Now, the question for all of us is, are you ready? Are you ready, beloved? Brother or sister, are you ready to be used by God? Do you wake up in the morning saying, God, as I go to my work, I want you to use me. Oh, God, I just, I dream about today being the day where maybe one of my coworkers would come to know the Lord Jesus. I just want you to use me. Do you pray that way? Beloved, if we're going to be used of God, it starts with desire. Do you sit up in the night watch and say, God, give me a fresh vision for how you could use me in your service. I'm just going to write it out. This is how you could use me. If you want to be used of God, it starts there. And that's what it takes to finish strong. You have to desire it. It's going to mean something different for everyone across this room. It's going to look a little different for each of us. Some of you are young and you're just beginning life. Some of you are older and you're in the last quarter of your life. It doesn't happen by accident. You're going to have to be intentional. Second, there's a second requirement to be used of God. We're not only going to have to desire to be used, we're going to have to focus on purity. Paul now brings up in verses 22 through 23, the purity of the vessel. When God looks to use someone, he doesn't look at the pedigree of the family. He looks at the purity of the vessel. When God looks to use someone, he's not looking for pedigree. He's looking for purity. It's not your past. It's your present. God loves to use the broken vessel over the dirty vessel. Now, we understand that. Like, if I go to a restaurant and they bring out my food on a dirty plate, I'm sending it back. I mean, I just am, right? I'm asking for a new fork if the fork is dirty. I get that. 
It's the same with God. God wants his vessels that are in his use to be pure. How do we do that? Well, there's several ways in verse 21. Notice this word, if anyone cleanses himself. The word cleanses here, we get our word catharsis from it. Have you ever heard that word? You've had like a cathartic experience, a cleansing experience. That's the idea. If anyone cleanses himself, it means to clean thoroughly. You know, at my house, dishes don't wash themselves, do they? It takes a little bit of effort. All the wives are looking at the husbands like, yep, that's what I've been telling you. And sure enough, they don't wash themselves. Husbands, you got to get in there. And I'll tell you, this is a call for us to examine ourselves and be clean. And be clean. What do we clean ourselves from? Several things. Notice the first one, from what is dishonorable? In the Greek, it's these things. What things? It's probably what we talked about last week. It's those people, even within the church, that may not be healthy for you to be around. Those who stir up a spirit of distrust, those who gossip, those who slander, those who engage in what what Paul calls wars of words. Remember that from last week? It's those gangrenous people that, yes, even exist in the body. We're to sort of come out from that and not be within that. You should speak to it, but you eventually have to pull out of it if it's not healthy. Why? Because gangrene spreads through the body. Some of you are asking, wait, are you telling me not to be around other people who are Christians? Well, if they're not in a healthy place and you've addressed it and they're still not changing, it may not be the healthy relationship that you need. Why? Well, in 1 Corinthians 5, 11, it says this, Paul says, I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of what? Brother. That's in the family. There may be some, even some make-believers in the family, but if he bears that name, but he's guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater or reviler or drunkard or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. There's a time to come out from these things. Why? Because impurity spreads. And to be an honorable vessel, it means that we cannot take on the sins of the dishonorable vessels. What else can we do? Well, he gives another thing. We can flee We can flee youthful passions. This word flee is, it's amazing. This is the word for fugitive in the Greek. You've almost got to become a fugitive in this culture if if you're going to be a used vessel of God. A fugitive. You've got to flee some things. Young man, it may mean that you have to flee some places. Young lady, it may mean you have to flee some people. It may mean that you have to flee your device Late at night, it may mean that you have to flee some people at your job who are pulling you in the wrong direction. There are some things to flee. There are some dangers to avoid. My friend Mark uh, works at an evangelism ministry, but he was a pastor previously. Mark shared a story when he was pastoring at a church, and he said as he was pastoring at that church, they had a room set up. It was kind of a glass room, with lots of windows out in the open, that if someone from the street needed counseling, they could come in off the street and get counseling, meet with a pastor anytime. It's great. Love it. Well, he said one day a lady came in off the street and she said, I need to speak with Pastor Mark. And so Mark came in and sat down with his notepad and his Bible and he said, hi, how can I help you? And they'd never met before. And she said, well, Mark, I've been dying to meet with you. You see, I've been having all sorts of dreams, dreams of a sexual nature. And Mark, I actually just wanted to tell you that. And Mark said, would you just hold that thought for just a minute? And he stood up, 
And he walked out, and he walked to the offices, and he walked out through the offices to his car, and he got into his car, and he drove home. And he called the office, and he said, you know, there's someone out there that I cannot counsel. It's just too dangerous. And so I ran. I love that. He said he called another pastor in, and that pastor dealt with the situation. And Mark still has his integrity today. You and I, we're going to have to be like Joseph in Potiphar's household. There are some times that you and I will have to run. And by the way, that's not the end of the story. The same lady years later came back at a time when Mark was not on staff and another pastor interviewed her and she came in, same story, same thing, and he ended up falling. And now he's no longer in ministry. And now he has disqualified himself from serving in the church. And he's not a useful vessel in that regard anymore. You and I will have to run if we're going to be used of God. There are things we will have to run from. It starts with fleeing those things. It starts with, maybe you've taken that financial piece with Dave Ramsey. You remember that scene in Financial Peace where there's the gazelle and the cheetah, and the cheetah is faster than the gazelle, but the gazelle's life is on the line, so it runs a little bit more powerfully and escapes so much more often. You're going to have to be like that. You're going to have to run for your life. What do you run from? Youthful passions. Youthful passions. What is that? Well, it's not just things of a sexual nature. Timothy was 30. He was a young man. What are youthful passions? Usually at that age, there's a lust for power. There's a lust for position. There's a lust for popularity. There's a lust for success. There's a lust for pride. Those are different kinds of passions. And maybe I think that if he were writing this even to central church, maybe he would say to you specifically, run from middle-aged passions or senior passions, whatever it is. There are certain passions that you are going to have to run from. For some of you, it's disagreeableness or frustration all the time or just every decision. You know, I, I, I'm not on board. And God's calling you to peace. And that's not all. It says that we need to flee, but... There's also some things we need to pursue. I love this word pursue. This word is very important because it reminds us that you and I will never catch all of these things. You will chase these things down until you get to heaven. These things you will have to be pursuing all the days of your life. So you're going to flee some things and you're going to pursue some things like what? Righteousness. Righteousness. You're going to be a man of integrity, a woman of integrity. At your job, you're going to treat your employees right. You're going to treat your subordinates right. You're going to love people. You're going to be a man of faith. You're going to believe God for big things. You're going to love well or love big. The overall circumference of your life, love is going to be seen in everything you do. And peace. So many people who are young think that the greatest measure of Christian maturity is being able to argue it's being able to win an argument. Actually, the older I get, the more I see that this is the measure of Christian maturity. It's those in the church who are peacemakers. That's what God's calling us to. Peace. Are you that Titus three brother always drawn into controversy, contentiousness? Or do you find that you find yourself streaming towards peace? 
And notice, we don't pursue these things alone. In verse 22, with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So sum it up. Here's what we got. The man of God, the woman of God, this person who wants to be used is known by what they're fleeing from, what they're running to, and who they're running with. It's all three. We do this in community. In fact, I want to just sort of stir you up, and I want to talk to you who are watching online. I hope that the Lord's even stirring you up that though we can't meet all of us together in this season, we can't do this alone. And what we're doing right now, this is not natural for the church. I pray that the Lord is even stirring you up in your heart to come back and regather because that's what the church is. We're not running alone. We're running together with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, those who are truly born again Christians. This is not a lone ranger Christianity. We do this together. We do this together. I'm praying that that would be the heart of our church. And until then, we need to focus on purity. Listen, you may be filled with all kinds of lusts, but we need to be reminded that God can make us pure and usable today. Maybe before this sermon is over, you just need to kneel and confess a sin before the Lord, and maybe you're just wondering, Lord, why is it? I want to be used so bad, but I'm not. Is there a sin that you have not addressed that is keeping you from being God's useful utensil, God's useful vessel? And maybe today, God, beloved, is just tempting you to lay that sin down, to confess it, and cry out to God and say, God, change me, clean me, foul I fly to thy fountain, wash me, Savior, or I die. Wash me, wash me. You could be a very powerful instrument in God's hand if you were clean. A while back, my friend Pat sent me the strangest text message ever. He's a pastor up in Des Moines, Iowa, and he gave me this line. He said, Matt, I'm praying for you. I'm just praying that you will be awful. And I said, you stop it this very instant. And I said, let me continue. Then he went on to quote Robert Murray McShane, and he gave me this quote. How diligently the Calvary officer keeps his saber clean and sharp. Every stain he rubs off with the greatest care. Remember, you are God's sword, his instrument, a chosen vessel unto him to bear his name. Next slide. In great measure, according to the purity and perfection of the instrument will be the success. It is not great talents. God blesses so much as likeness to Jesus. A holy minister is an awful weapon in the hands of God. I'm praying you will be awful. And I say that to all of you. The man or woman of God that gets used is someone who focuses on their purity. Let that thought woo you in this morning for maybe even just some self-examination. God, what is it that I need to just release a sin that's keeping me from being used by my master? Lastly, and we're done, we need to desire to be used, we need to focus on purity, and we need to serve with humility. Not in the spotlight, not at a seat at the table, but with humility. Look at verse 24, how it starts. The Lord's servant, underline that word, highlight that word, circle that word. 
This is the word slave. It's used 127 times. Doulos, slave. You're the Lord's servant. You're his slave. And we got to start thinking about ourselves that way. If I'm a slave to the Lord, if he's my master, he has bought me with a price, I'm willing to put up with things because I'm serving him that I would never put up with if I were serving myself. We got to think about it that way. If God chooses to use me, he's going to use me in my humility to make the gospel attractive. See, it's Spurgeon said this, do not desire to be the principal man in the church. Be lowly, be humble. The best man in the church is the man who's willing to be a doormat for all to wipe their boots on. The brother who does not mind what happens to him at all so long as God is glorified. That's the kind of servants we need. That's the kind of people we need. That's what I'm praying that I will be and you will be. We have to learn to become these kind of servants. We have to remember who we represent, who our master is, that as you work on a transmission, you're doing it as a mechanic, as the Lord's servant. That's who you are. As you crunch numbers in your office, you're doing it as the Lord's servant. As you serve our city, you're doing it as the Lord's servant. As you work on a degree at a university, you are doing it as the Lord's servant. Remember who you are. What does that mean? How does the Lord's servant behave himself? This is how. Look at your text. There's several words. He must not be quarrelsome, but kind. 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. This word kind, it's used in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul said, we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother. We were tender. That's the idea. Are you tender with people when you talk to them? If you're going to be the Lord's servant, you have to think through how your words are going to hit their ears and be tender with people. Able to teach. You're never teaching when you're arguing. You have to be careful not to cross that line. Patiently enduring evil. This is a great, great phrase. Parents, great phrase for you. Underline it, highlight it, circle it. For anyone who's in that situation, raising children, patience. Correcting his opponents with gentleness. This is a great, great word. It's the word meekness, gentleness, meekness. It's used of Jesus. In fact, in the Bible, it's used of breaking wild stallions, breaking horses, bringing them under submission. Imagine all that muscle, all that power, and it's bringing it under control. It's self-control. That's the idea that you and I need to be controlled. You know, last week in the sermon, I got more emails than I've ever received after any sermon in the history of anything I've preached in 16, 17 years. I mentioned just briefly for five minutes the, the topic of Black Lives Matter and the organization, and uh, I got about 60 emails. It was wild. 59 of them, as of last night, last time I checked, 59 of them were positive and thankful. One of them was from someone who doesn't go to our church, and I think they must have stumbled on the feed, but I'll tell you, as I think about this topic, one person sticks out to me. They wrote me, and they were so thankful, but they were so kind in what they said. 
And they said, you know, thanks for that message and thank you for pouring that out. But I loved how you said this. We as Christians need to be less like fire and more like light. We, we have to be able to talk about hard things. I have to be able to shepherd you to think through things critically and biblically, but we ought to do it in such a way that it's more like light that gives illumination than fire that consumes and destroys and cuts off ears. Gentleness. Are you gentle in the way that you talk through hard topics? Are you gentle in what you post on Facebook? Friends, this is the only way to be God's servant. We have to take on the attributes that God's servants should have. Why? Why is that important? Look at the very next verse, that God may perhaps grant them, unbelievers, repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. This is why it's important for you to act like God's servant, because as you put on the attributes of God, you are displaying the gospel, and maybe God is going to use you not to win an argument, but a person. That's why. It's that you would win a person and not just defeat someone with an argument. This is a great image, look at this. That they may come to their senses and escape from the snare. Do you see the two images? Come to their senses, it's the idea they're sort of drunk on this world, they don't have their faculties about them. The snare of the devil, they're captured, they're ensnared. You don't approach someone who's drunk on wine haphazardly. You do it carefully. You don't approach a wild animal caught in a trap haphazardly. You do it carefully and slowly and gradually, and you help them get out of the trap. That's the image. If you and I are going to win people, we've got to be less like fire, and we've got to be more like light. We've got to be gentle. Well, that's our time. I'm out of time, so I'm going to have to bring this to a close here, but I'll tell you, this week I was so convicted by this passage. I felt this irresistible passion just to apply it personally to my life. And so I took my kids and my family and we worked up sort of a gift bag and we brought it with a letter from our family. I know it's tough times. And we gave this to our neighbors, just some snacks and some goodies and a gospel track and just a letter from us. We know it's a difficult time. Here's our address. Here's our phone number. We love you. We're at Central Church. I'm new to the neighborhood. If you need anything at all, we're here. I'm shepherding our church, but I also want to shepherd you. And we pass these out throughout our neighborhood. I'm not doing that to brag because I actually fail at this more than I win. I feel like I've got a long ways to go in this, just to be honest with you. But I want to. I want to be used in greater ways. You could do this. You could walk through your neighborhood. You could give away these bags. You could invite people to watch the live stream. We did. I hope some of you are online in my neighborhood watching right now. And I hope this message encourages you. You know, dear friends, it starts with a desire and then purity. And then as you and I put on the attributes of God's humble servants, God will reach the world through you. May God do it in all of us. We trust that today's message has been a challenge and an encouragement to you. Jesus tells us that truth always demands a response. So he calls us to be doers of his word, not hearers only. So this is your moment of truth. 
How is God calling you to respond? If you would like to watch or listen to this message, please visit online at centralchurch.com. We'd also like to meet you in person. Worship with us at 9 or 11 a.m. every Sunday at Central Church. If you're unable to attend in person, we also have services streaming live where you can engage and chat with other believers throughout the service. Visit centralchurch.com live to find out more. If you would like to donate to support this program and God's word being sent out, please mail a gift or you can call us at 866-TRUTH-TN and someone will be standing by to receive your credit card donation. We are located at 2005 Winchester Boulevard in Collierville, Tennessee. We can't wait to explore God's truths with you next week. Hi friends, Pastor Matt here. I just want to invite you to Central Church here in Collierville. At Central Church, the Bible is central and the gospel is the foundation of every sermon we preach, every decision that we make. You know, every year I see more and more churches and more and more people moving away from the Bible, but here we're elevating the Word of God. That's why we study it verse by verse, and we hope that you'd come and hear the voice of God in the Word of God, because that's the ultimate source of truth. You can worship with us at 9 o'clock or 11 a.m. every Sunday, online or in person. If you'd like to join us online, you can join us at centralchurch.com. Or if you have questions about Central, please email us at info at We can't wait to meet you. And if you join us in the chat, be sure and say hi. We look forward to getting to know you. Moment of Truth is sponsored by Central Church.